This week's town hall meeting spurred some questions about certain famous preachers, including best-selling author Rick Warren. We'll dig into it. And most pundits say Hillary Clinton won last night's Democratic debate. Did she? Also, we'll talk to an author who says our government may be doing more than we think to stop another terrorist attack. A lot more. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. Obviously, as someone who's pro-choice and have been an entire public life and career, I feel very strongly about Roe versus Wade. I would not want a justice to be appointed who would even think about overturning that. Senator Chris Dodd is running for president of the United States, and he says we have to have a pro-choice, a pro-abortion Supreme Court. He would not nominate a justice to the court unless that justice supported Roe versus Wade. All of the candidates addressed that issue. Did they all agree? Which party is actually the big tent party on abortion? Is it the Republicans or the Democrats? That issue was settled last night. Also, Governor Bill Richardson from New Mexico talked about the the petty personality debates and the real issues that the American people want to discuss. Let's stop this mudslinging. Let's stop this going after each other on character, on trust. Let us debate the issues that affect the American people. All right, so debate the issues, Richardson says. We're going to do that in just a few minutes. We're going to look at that debate last night on the war and on abortion. Where do these Democrats stand on the war and on abortion? Also, later in the program, the town hall two days ago, the battle for truth, beware of false prophets. Many of you have been sending emails in. Later in the program, we're going to address Two are three concerns that we've gotten again and again. What about Rick Warren and Bill Hybels? Many people think in these emails that they are false prophets. I'm going to address that charge clearly at the half hour. T.G. Jakes, Joel Osteen, we're going to address it all at the half hour. You don't want to miss it. And also, let me just tell you, if you want the two-CD set of the town hall, You can call 817-299-4247 or go to kcbi.org. You can get 
that CD of the town hall on false prophets. It got a little interesting, didn't it? Uh, you know, yesterday, a former New York mayor, Rudy Giuliani, of course, running for president as a Republican, was campaigning in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And he said that since 9-11, officials have managed to stop many planned acts of terrorism. And the 23 attempts that were stopped happened because we're on offense now. It happened because this country has gone from being seriously on defense about terrorism to being on offense. And one of our guests today agrees with that. He says uh, he's going to take us actually inside the FBI and CIA, talk about the race to prevent the next terrorist attack. He is Newsmax, uh, Newsmax.com journalist Ron Kessler. And he re- he's written a book called Terrorist Watch. And in it, he describes an FBI agent who actually spent nearly a year with Saddam Hussein becoming friends with him. What he learned will surprise you. Okay, last night, the, the Democrat candidates for president had a debate in Las Vegas, and everyone was saying this debate would be about Hillary Clinton. Senator 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 Clinton. Hillary Clinton. Senator 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 Clinton. Hillary. 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 Hillary Clinton. Hillary is the first lady, and now Senator Clinton. I seem to be the topic of great conversation and consternation, and that's for a reason. Okay, she said they were picking on her, not because she was a woman, but because she was a head. And that was certainly a rehearsed but an effective applause line in Las Vegas last night. Here's Hillary Clinton accusing her Democrat rivals of distorting her record and slinging mud. I don't mind taking hits on my record, on issues, uh, but when somebody starts throwing mud, at least we can hope that it's both accurate and not right out of the Republican playbook. Okay, is this mud, though? Her critics say she says yes and no when asked key policy questions. But Clinton claims that she's very clear. The American people know where I stand. Okay, do we know where she stands? You know, in that last debate, Penna, they asked her, do you support the idea of driver's licenses for illegal aliens, the proposal of Governor Spitzer in New York City? And she said, well, it's a good idea, but maybe not. I, I can see why he did it, but maybe not. A few days later, she clarified with a campaign press release, I support driver's licenses for illegal aliens. This week, They reversed themselves and came out and said, we do not support. And last night she was asked a yes or no question. Do you support these driver's licenses for illegal aliens? She said this time, no. So yes and no, yes and no, no again last night. Well, she's learned this from a master who's much better at it than she is, and that's her husband, Bill Clinton. It's called triangulation, taking two or three sides of one issue. He got away with it. She's just not as good at it as he is, so she doesn't get away with it, and people call her on it. She's going to have to figure out how to handle that. All right, in a minute, we're going to talk about war and abortion, the real issues. But let's go now to hear a couple of these candidates uh, critiquing Senator Clinton, here's Obama. What the American people are looking for right now is straight answers to tough questions. And that is not what we've seen out of Senator Clinton uh, on a host of issues. Right. What was interesting, though, last night, as Obama attacked Clinton, as Edwards attacked Clinton, there were boos in the audience. That was very interesting. That was not uh, accepted well last night. Here's John Edwards attacking Clinton. She says she will bring change to Washington. 
while she continues to defend a system that does not work, that is broken, that is rigged, and is corrupt. All right, so two heart attacks on Senator Clinton. Uh, Penna, in your looking uh, today, what are most people in the media saying? I think in the last debate they're saying Mrs. Clinton uh, lost her footing, uh, lost some ground. What's the verdict on last night? They're saying she won, first of all, and she spent a lot of time this week getting ready for this. She had some real zingers uh, last night, and so she was ready for each one of these uh, attacks on her. She used them pretty well. She did a pretty good job. You could tell that uh, she was prepared and expecting these attacks. So, you know, she proved herself uh, last night that she can really fight with the best of them. And uh, so some of the ground that she lost last week, I think she gained back. All right. Governor Bill Richardson of New Mexico is running for president. He's been playing nice in these debates, but here's kind of the way he took a jab at all the candidates, including Mrs. Clinton. And this leads us to the topic of the Democrats on war. It seems that John wants to start a class war. It seems that Barack wants to start a generational war. It seems that Senator Clinton, with all due respect on her plan on Iraq, doesn't end the war. Okay, what's interesting in these Democrat debates is everyone is trying to out-peace, out-in the war, uh, one another. And it seems like, you know, the, the badge of honor is... I'm the one that will retreat the soonest from Iraq, from Iran, and from the region. And, Penna, I think this is a fundamental difference between the Democrats and some of the Republicans. Uh, You don't hear this kind of talk in the Republican debates. It seems the Republicans are talking about victory, victory in Iraq, victory strategically against Iran and against the terrorists, And uh, the Democrats are clearly the party, I think, right now, of who can cut and run the quickest. You know, the media is cooperating with that because they're not reporting on the success, and the success is just becoming unmistakable. And it's growing and building. And, uh, you know, there have been some uh, reports from soldiers in Iraq that have said, this war is over. We have basically won it. Well, a telling point last night in the debate, and we don't have the sound, maybe we'll get it later, One of the questioners asked Barack Obama what he thought about the declining death counts. And Obama actually responded. He said, I don't think we should talk about the death counts. (laughs) And, of course, they were happy to report the death counts uh, and to use those death counts back when um, there were, you know, there was all kinds of mischief and roadside bombs and suicide bombers. But uh, they don't want to talk about it now. And he said, I don't think we should factor that in anymore. Why? Because the tide has turned. The other big issue last night was abortion. Here's Dennis Kucinich. And I want to remind you, he used to be pro-life. And he's asked, they ask all the candidates up and down the line, would they appoint a Supreme Court justice without an abortion litmus test? That is... Would you require that your nominees to the Supreme Court support abortion on demand, Roe versus Wade? Here's Congressman Kucinich. I'll stand for prenatal care, postnatal care, child care, a living wage, universal health care, sex education, right. birth control. We can make abortions less necessary if we have a healer in the White House, and we can also protect a woman's right to choose. We can do both. Okay, so a woman's right to choose, that's the code word, yes, uh, he said. 
I would require that of my appointees. Pena, up and down the line. They were very mm-hmm. uh, deliberate in going to every candidate. They all said, yes, they would have to affirm the right of privacy. Larry, I'd like you to go back to the Christopher Dodd piece, if you would. Christopher Dodd was even clearer. You, you won't believe what you hear this man say. Here's Senator Dodd. Obviously, as someone who's pro-choice and have been an entire public life and career, I feel very strongly about Roe versus Wade. I would not want a justice to be appointed who would even think about overturning that. So he wouldn't want a justice who would even think Amazing. about that. Now, why don't you think about that for a moment? He wouldn't appoint a justice who would even think about overturning Roe versus Wade. Well, that is precisely what the next appointed judge is going to be asked to do, is to think about overturning Roe versus Wade. And that's what the court has had to do ever since it passed, because it has been consistently challenged by the American people and by the states, and it is bad law. And uh, this is the distinction. We were asked the question yesterday in response to the town hall. Was Jesus a Republican? Would Jesus be a Republican? I repeat what I said. Jesus is not a Republican. Jesus would not be a Republican. But I can tell you this. Jesus would be pro-life. Jesus would be pro-life. And Jesus would be against Roe versus Wade. And I cannot imagine evangelical Christians voting for a president who would not protect the sanctity of innocent human life. Republican, Democrat, Independent, Libertarian, whatever. This is not a position uh, based upon party loyalty. In fact, I said yesterday, I say it again, if the Republicans nominate a pro-choice, a pro-abortion candidate like Rudy Giuliani, he'll be the titular head of the party, he'll take out the pro-life plank in the platform at the mm-hmm. second uh, convention cycle, his second term. It'll be a disaster. It will be a disaster for the party, and Republicans would have no right to claim any high ground with evangelical Christian voters. But uh, the Republican Party, contra the media is actually the big tent on this issue. You see disagreement. The Democrats lockstep the party of death, the party of abortion, the party of euthanasia. Well, we'll keep following this story. Coming up next, some of the untold stories of how our government is protecting you against the terrorist. And, of course, later in the program, a follow-up on the town hall about false prophets We're going to answer the charge that Rick Warren is a false prophet. We're also going to talk about T.D. Jakes and Joel Osteen. You do not want to miss this segment. We'll take calls in that segment. But coming up, an FBI man on terror. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. 
That's chriswill.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. The Attorney General is responsible for our law enforcement community's efforts to detect, prevent, and disrupt terrorist attacks here at home. All right, that's President Bush at the swearing-in ceremony of Michael Mukasey. He's the new Attorney General. President Bush reminding us we are in a war uh, against terrorism right here in the United States. We are playing defense in the United States. And we're reminded this week that um, in a, a kind of a check, a kind of a test, uh, government investigators are telling a House panel they smuggled bomb parts through airport security. How safe are you? More in this report from Capitol Hill. Investigators made it through security numerous times with liquid explosives and detonators that were easy to buy. These prohibited items were concealed in our carry-on luggage and on our persons. The GAO's Gregory Coote says this was even though screeners followed TSA procedure. TSA Administrator Kip Hawley says they made it through only one of 19 interconnected layers of security. We focus on the piece that could do you know, catastrophic damage. You take an airplane down. But another GAO official says the components could have had a catastrophic effect on a plane. Jerry Bodlander, Capitol Hill. Okay, how safe are you? Is the government doing a good job? Well, we haven't had another terrorist attack here in the United States, and part of that is because of... The Terrorist Watch, which is the title of a book we're going to talk about. We uh, have the author with us. He is Ronald Kessler, and he's written 17 nonfiction books, including this one. And, uh, Ron, I'm so glad you've joined us. You know, we are stopping more terrorist attacks than most people know, and you've really got the scoop on it, don't you? Yeah, all you have to do is look at the fact that we haven't been attacked in more than six years, and and it's no accident. Uh, Some 5,000 terrorists have been rolled up since 9-11, by the FBI and the CIA. You'll never see that headline in the Washington Post or the New York Times. There have been tremendous changes in the intelligence community since 9-11. And uh, when when the media say the FBI and the CIA don't talk to each other, actually there's now a national counterterrorism center in McLean, Virginia, where uh, some 200 FBI and CIA analysts sit side by side 24 hours a day sharing information, uh, parceling out leads, and uh, trying to stop plots. Uh, on, uh, well, and this is going on uh, despite the fact that there are members of Congress who are trying to basically take away some of the tools for this uh, fight against terrorism, isn't it? That's the real danger. Um, liberal politicians are uh, trying to uh, uh, get rid of things like FISA and the Patriot mm-hmm. Act. Hillary and uh, Barack Obama voted in August to essentially give uh, Osama bin Laden the same rights as Americans have when it comes to intercepting uh, his communications, even if he's making a call overseas to another overseas location. Uh, They did that by uh, voting against revising the FISA Act. Luckily, they did not prevail, but if they had, we would have been in serious straits because that's one of the most important ways of uh, intercepting uh, plots, and that's the best way to stop a plot, of course, not necessarily by uh, 
detecting uh, things that come on airplanes because that's never going to be perfect, but rather by getting clues to plots in the first place. Ron Kessler is with us. He's with Newsmax.com. And, Ron, uh, one of the things I noticed in the book was the fact that an FBI agent actually spent eight months to a year with Saddam Hussein, I guess undercover, and he, he found out some interesting uh, things. Tell us about it. He, uh, George Pirro is an Arabic-speaking uh, FBI agent, and he got Saddam's trust and cooperation, and Saddam eventually admitted that he was bluffing about WMD. He feared Iran, and what better way to scare them than if America thought he had WMD. So, so. Saddam was bluffing about this? Yeah, and, and he described how you know he purposely would uh, set uh, uh, limits on where weapons inspectors could go, as a way to further this bluff. But at the same time, Saddam admitted that he did plan to resume his WMD program as soon as sanctions were lifted, which he thought would take place within a year, uh, in part because Saddam was paying off UN officials. And Saddam said that he, he did intend to develop a nuclear weapon, uh, but, but then 9-11 came along and, and spoiled all his plans because Bush became much more... Uh, on the alert and, and just wasn't going to put up with uh, the situation where even Saddam's generals thought that he had WMD. And so if they thought that, then, then really there was no way to get behind that. This is Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking to Ronald Kessler. He's written the book, The Terrorist Watch, Inside the Desperate Race to Stop the Next Attack. Ronald, let me ask you this question. Uh, the, I mean, that's a fascinating story you've just mentioned, uh, without revealing national security tactics and secrets, can you tell us two or three other of your favorite, uh, you know, success stories that we really haven't read much about where, you know, our government has protected us from a, a, a likely attack? Well, actually, every few months the FBI announces arrests of terrorists, and uh, they're usually relegated to the back pages of papers, in the case of the uh, plot to blow up JFK Airport, the New York Times ran that story on page A37. Uh, now, uh, because Bush asked Rob Mueller, the FBI director, to uh, focus on preventing the next attack instead of necessarily uh, looking backwards, the FBI has been, be, become very prevention-oriented. So now uh, they will uh, run a, a source for a year or two I focused in particular on one FBI agent, Art Cummings, who's a very direct talking agent. He's in charge of international counterterrorism operations. He says, you make a mistake, there are dead people. And he describes how uh, he and others have turned around the FBI's focus. Of course, they always you know, wanted to stop plots and, and have in the past. But uh, in the case of the first World Trade Center bombing, for example, they pretty much closed the case after they got the culprits, and that was that, as opposed to uh, pushing ahead, trying to get leads on other people who might possibly be terrorists and might pull off another attack. Ronald, let me ask you to do this. I want to I listen again to Mike McConnell. He's director of national intelligence. I, I want you to respond to this comment. My biggest concern is going back to September 10th thinking by many in our country. Mike uh, McConnell is director of national intelligence, and he says he's concerned that we're going back to pre-9-11 ways of thinking. Are you concerned, Ronald, that 
uh, Congress, the Senate, and even some of these presidential candidates are talking as if uh, there are not enemies right here in the United States planning to do us harm. That is exactly the, the, the greatest fear that I have and that others in the intelligence community have, uh, you know, besides the fear of another attack, uh, that these critical tools like the Patriot Act, FISA, et cetera, NSA intercepts will be taken away by Democrats uh, who are just pandering to the left. You know, I can't believe that they don't realize the danger, but, you know, it's like uh, Governor John Corzine uh, not wearing a seatbelt going 90 miles an hour. It's just stupidity. Um, I, you know, I don't know how you can explain it otherwise. Uh, and uh, this is this is the real danger, you know. And, and it's fed by the media. The media it so ha- has so misinformed the public, you know, talking about the government spying on innocent Americans. Well, of course they're not doing that. They're just interested in stopping plots and finding terrorists. Uh, that the government is torturing people. Well, the government's never tortured people. Um, when, in the case of Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, who was the architect of the 9-11 plot, and there was a fear that there'd be a second wave of attacks, and he was not talking. The CIA used coercive techniques like freezing temperatures, like waterboarding, but waterboarding is not torture, um, obviously because our own special operations people are subjected to waterboarding as part of their training. Well, we're not going to torture our own people. Uh, it does create fear, but it doesn't, it's not, doesn't inflict pain, which is what torture is. And in fact, it was only used three times, one colleague, Sheikh Mohammed, one on Abu Zubaydah, and not since 2003 has the CIA used it. So it's all, you know, another uh, red herring and, and, and talking point of the Democrats. Ronald Kessler has written the book, The Terrorist Watch, Inside the Desperate Race to Stop the Next Attack. Ronald, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much. All right, folks, I want you to listen again to Rudy Giuliani. He's running for president of the United States. He's really making the same point. The 23 attempts that were stopped happened because we're on offense now. It happened because this country has gone from being seriously on defense about terrorism to being on offense. Okay, folks, uh, this show is about the Christian worldview And I think we need to look at this text again and again and again. Romans chapter 13 says this, Rulers, the governor, the governing authorities, are appointed by God. Why? He is, quote, God's minister to you for good, but if you do evil, be afraid. He does not bear the sword in vain. He is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. A proper role of government, a God-given role of government, according to the Christian worldview, is to wield the sword, to be an avenger against those who would do evil, those who would murder and kill and do acts of terror. And so the Christian worldview takes evil seriously, takes sin seriously, takes terrorism seriously, takes murder seriously, and that's why God has given us government to protect us from those who would do us harm. And we should support the government in that God-given task. So many things the government wants to do, they ought not be doing. God doesn't want them to do it, and we shouldn't either. But this is one thing that God wants government to do, and that's get the bad guys. And our government has been doing some of that, and they're probably not getting enough credit for it. When we come back, is Rick Warren a heretic? I'm going to answer that charge. 
And I'm going to speak about Joel Osteen and T.D. Jakes. Two are and one is not. You'll have to tune in to find out. We'll be right back. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Okay, did you listen to the town hall two nights ago? The battle for truth, beware of false prophets, tremendous attendance, a lot of energy and excitement. Probably the only frustration for most of the people was not enough time to cover all the questions. And we opened up the email for you to send in questions and comments. And and actually, I'm going to open up the phone lines now. If you want to talk about Rick Warren, T.D. Jakes, or Joel Osteen, the number's 800-881-9270. 800-881-9270. We'll see if we can get to you. But, uh, Penna, we got a lot of emails. But I want to remind people, this town hall is going to be rebroadcast on Sunday, November 18th, Sunday, November 27th. Tuesday, November 27th, and we're going to broadcast this on KCBI from 8 to 9.30. Again, the 18th, the 25th, the 27th, you don't want to miss that at 8 o'clock p.m., and you can still get the two-CD set at 817-299-4247, or just go to kcbi.org, and you'll find out how to do that. But, Penna, we had some emails about three individuals, folks feeling like maybe we didn't say enough, some feeling like we weren't harsh enough, right. or prophetic enough, are brave enough, or bold enough. And so we're going to do some follow-up tonight on some of these emails. Tell us what we've got. Well, this is regarding Rick Warren. we got several emails. Uh, Pastor Rick Warren, of course, he's got Saddleback Church, a big mega church out in California, the purpose-driven pastor. And one of the emails says that his main emphasis is needing a purpose, not Jesus. And then uh, going on to say that Warren preaches, another emailer says Warren preaches salvation without true repentance, which is making a ton of false converts, tares among the wheat. And uh, we did not make that point, they say. And another emailer says that one of the panel members was very quick to jump in and claim that Rick Warren is not a false teacher. He went on to list a number of qualifications, which he felt all Christians could agree were adequate tests of fellowship fellowship, and stated that he believed Rick Warren met all of these qualifications. Uh, one of these he listed was the return of Jesus Christ. Now, this emailer says they believe Rick Warren would not pass that qualification. He talks about his involvement in the emerging church and other things. So I guess what we've got to deal with here, Dr. Johnson, is is Rick Warren a false prophet? Uh, does he meet uh, the test of being a true uh, preacher of Jesus Christ? Well, I remember Lloyd Benson years ago and uh, said something like, uh, I know Rick Warren. <laughs> I've met Rick Warren, mm-hmm. and he's not a false prophet. Right. Uh, he is not a false prophet. And uh, so this person says... And we had several others who don't like Rick Warren and want to categorize him as a false prophet. Seems to be the complaint. He doesn't believe in repentance, and he doesn't direct people to Jesus. That's what you That's just what read they're there. Saying, yeah. Now, I have Rick Warren's book right here, The Purpose Driven Life, the national bestseller for which he's gotten a lot of attention. Now, I'm going to read just directly from this book. Quote, the New Testament calls this mental shift repentance, which in the Greek means literally to change your mind. You repent when you change the way you think 
by adopting how God thinks. Listen to this. About yourself, sin, God, other people, life, your future, and everything else. He goes on to say, we are commanded to think the same way that Jesus Christ thought. So he talks about repentance. He talks about Jesus Christ. He goes on to say this mental shift, the first half of it, is to stop thinking immature thoughts which are self-centered and self-seeking. So people who want to say that Rick Warren is all about self and self-improvement and self-help and self-fulfillment, and he doesn't emphasize sin or repentance, I mean, that's directly contradicted. I just read from one page of his book, Mm -hmm. page 182. Now, I can tell you, going through this book, back and forth, he talks about sin. I'm looking at another section where he is... He is uh, talking about how people um, don't think temptation is a sin. And he says, quote, it's only a little sin, but a little sin is like being a little pregnant. It will eventually show itself. He does believe in the reality of sin, and he does believe in the reality of salvation only through Jesus Christ. I've heard this man preach. I've read his materials. Now, having said all of that, he is not a heretic. He is an Orthodox Evangelical Christian. I want to play a couple of Rick Warren sound bites and talk about why people may think this, why there's this um, dissatisfaction with Rick Warren. And here is Rick Warren uh, talking about uh, getting into the test of life, he calls it, the race of life. Now, some of you are actually getting into this test a little late, and so you've got some making up to do. And you didn't realize that life was a test. And so now, in the later stage of your life, you've got to make the most of what you've got because God says he's watching. We've interviewed Rick Warren here on KCBI Mm -hmm. before. Depending on what's your impression of that quote. Uh, Well, I think he is, you know, first of all, when you take a small piece of of audio out of a a full sermon, you've got to kind of lay the the groundwork, and we haven't heard the whole sermon, so we can't do that. But, you know, I can see how some people would say, okay, he's on a works trip, and he's basically saying that you're being tested in this life to see how you're going to, you know, where you're going to be at the end. And so, in a sense, I do understand why someone would say that. But, you know, as you said, you've got to take the full body of what he says and what he has said, and you've also uh, quoted from his book, which is completely marked up from your reading it. So I think we have to go a little bit beyond this and uh, hear some more of what he has to say. All right, here's Rick Warren one more time on um, easy believism, really. A lot of people would accuse him of easy believism. Here's Rick Warren. You see, it takes more than belief. It takes more than faith to really please God. He says it takes faith that results in loving others. Religion without love doesn't matter. It's not enough to say, I believe, or even that I know my purpose. What matters is how I love God and how I love other people. That's the great commandment. Okay, he's talking here about not just uh, consent or assent, um, belief about, but belief in and belief on, a belief that produces results. And so this isn't easy believism. He says you've got to love God and love your neighbor. That would be the evidence of faith. And so that's not really easy believism. But I I do think he has a different way of communicating. 
And he does a lot of paraphrasing. And a lot of people who've grown up in Bible preaching, evangelical churches, are used to a lot of quotations from Scripture, a lot of biblical phraseology, and Warren is just not there. He does a lot of paraphrasing. Secondly, he uh, emphasizes purpose and what God can do for you. And uh, it is a different emphasis. It is a different way of doing church. Do I agree with everything Rick Warren does in his preaching? No. Do I agree with everything he does in his church growth methodology? No. I do think there's some great ideas there, but I don't totally agree with it. But that does not make him a heretic. It does not make him a false prophet. And uh, I think uh, he is an evangelical Christian, and he has done a tremendous amount of work for God's glory and God's kingdom. By the way, in this book, he talks about we were created for the glory of God. We were created for the pleasure of God. Those are great big Reformation themes. Mm-hmm. Those are John Piper kind of themes. And so I think uh, that people who make these criticisms of Rick Warren, either number one, they don't understand the New Testament, or they've not read Rick Warren's material. Dr. Johnson, there were others, and uh, we're coming to the end of the segment, uh, but I think very quickly maybe you could address the critique of the way we handled the Willow Creek uh, news story that uh, Bill Hybels and others had actually admitted that maybe their model of a seeker-friendly church was not uh, working. We've been critiqued from the right and from the left, and that's fine, but, you know, Willow Creek came out just last week with an admission that their seeker-driven or seeker-friendly approach, which was probably more progressive, shall I say, moderate or liberal, shall I say, than Rick Warren's, um, entertainment-centered maybe. Maybe a little more watered down of the gospel. Yes. Willow Creek came out and said, we've made a mistake. Those were their words. We've made a mistake. We're not producing effective disciples of Jesus Christ. We need to get the people in the Word more. We need to get them sound teaching more. That that was what they had to say, and we read from that press release. And there are other folks said, oh, you were unfair to Willow Creek. These are brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, I've always believed uh, Bill Hybels was a brother in Christ, and I haven't always believed in his strategy or his emphasis. But I think it's a proper acknowledgement from them in the last week or two that they probably didn't have it right. Now, what about Joel Osteen? What about T.D. Jakes? A lot of people felt like we didn't deal forthrightly or long enough or with enough stress or emphasis, enough stress or emphasis on whether or not these men are false prophets. Now we're going to listen to Joel Osteen right now talking about his approach. To become a better you, you must be positive towards yourself. Develop better relationships. Embrace the place where you are. Yeah. Not one mention of God in that. Not one mention of Jesus Christ in that. That's just my message. There is scripture in there that backs it all up. But I feel like, Byron, I'm called to help people. How do we walk out the Christian life? How do we live it? And these are principles that can help you. I mean, if there's a lot better people qualified to say, here's a book that's going to explain the scriptures to you. I don't think that's my gifting. Okay, this is Joel Osteen, vastly popular preacher down in Houston on 60 Minutes, CBS. The interviewer said, there's no God in this, there's no Jesus in this. And Joel's response, that's just my message. What do I think about that? When we come back, we'll talk about that. And it gets worse, actually, and that's the sad thing. Is Joel Osteen a false prophet? Is T.D. Jakes a false prophet? We're going to talk about that when we come back. We're going to wrap this up. 
Do not miss it. Once again, you can hear a rebroadcast of the town hall. Go to kcbi.org. Look at the details. You can get a CD. Go to kcbi.org and get the details. It's Jerry Johnson Live with Pennedexter. We're at Criswell College. We'll be right back. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. To become a better you, you must be positive towards yourself, develop better relationships, embrace the place where you are. Yeah. Not one mention of God in that, not one mention of Jesus Christ in that. That's just my message. There is scripture in there that backs it all up. But I feel like, Byron, I'm called to help people. How do we walk out the Christian life? How do we live it? And these are principles that can help you. I mean, if there's a lot better people qualified to say, here's a book that's going to explain the scriptures to you. I don't think that's my gifting. All right, is Joel Osteen a false prophet? Well, there he is on 60 Minutes, CBS. And he said, hey, be the best you without God, without Jesus. And he responds, that's just my message. He goes on to say, there are others who can teach the Bible, write about what the Bible means, but that's just not him. But the Bible says in 1 Timothy 3, a bishop must be apt to teach. He must be able to teach. And Paul says later on, preach the word. And so that is a cop-out, in my view. If he's going to pastor a church, he's got to take on that task. He's got to be, have that gifting and have that ability. But more seriously, here is Joel Olstein. Is Jesus the only way to be saved? Larry King on CNN asked him. Here is Osteen's answer. Well, what if you're Jewish or Muslim and you don't accept Christ at all? You know, I, I just, I'm very careful about saying who and would and wouldn't go to heaven. I don't know. I think only God. you believe you have to believe in Christ. I so believe. They're, they're wrong, aren't they? Well, I don't know if I believe they're wrong. I believe here's what the Bible teaches. And from the Christian faith, this is what I believe. But I just think that only God can judge a person's heart. I've spent a lot of time in India with my father. And, uh, you know, I don't know all about their religion. But I know they love God. And I don't know. I'd have to, you know, I've seen their sincerity. So, Okay. Larry King asked him specifically. Hindus, Muslims, Jews who do not believe in Jesus, are they wrong? Olstein says, I don't know if I believe they are wrong. Is that the way Paul would have answered that question? Olstein went on to say, hey, I've been to India. He's talking about Hinduism. These people love God. They are sincere. The implication is there 
uh, Olstein does not believe in the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. Let's go to the big three. Jesus said in John 14, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. The Apostle Paul says in Timothy, there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. The Apostle Peter said in the book of Acts, neither is there salvation in any other except Jesus, the name of Jesus. I've got to say, I think on this issue of the exclusivity of Jesus Christ, Joel Osteen is indeed a false prophet. Now, Penna, there was one other person that people wrote about, asked about, who is it? Well, it's T.D. Jakes, and, and it's the Potter's big. House right here in the Metroplex, and a lot of people love him. He's very popular, and so I think uh, we need to tell the truth about him. Yeah, let me say, you know, about Joel Osteen, it's hard to, to dislike this guy. I mean, he smiles, and he seems nice and kind and sort of guy you might trust your children with, you know. And T.D. Jakes has a great message yeah. for women for fathers, for men. He helps the community. He helped New Orleans recover. And so he seems to do a lot of good kind of public works. But folks, here's the question, and I want to be very clear on this. If you were listening to the town hall the other night, when we talk about false prophets and heretics, we're not talking about the uh, the purpose-driven or the uh, Willow Creek style of doing a worship service. We're talking about major fundamentals of the faith. And the early church, you can see this in the New Testament, it's the person of Christ, it's the work of Christ, it's the deity of Christ, it's the humanity of Christ. That's where the early church drew the line. And in the early church, there was a heresy called modalism, denying the Trinity. What is the doctrine of the Trinity? One God exists in three persons, co-equal, co-eternal, co-substantial. And the modalist said, wait a minute, there's one God, but three appearances or manifestations, the Father in the Old Testament, and then the Spirit, and then Jesus. And um, the council, the Synod of Smyrna, condemned this heresy in AD 200. The Nicene Creed, the Athanasian Creed, said, no, you must believe in the Trinity. There's one God Three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, co-equal, co-eternal, co-existence. Well, let me just say quickly, it's very clear the Scriptures say there is one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. But it's also very clear the Father is called God, the Son is called God, and the Spirit is called God. In fact, you see that at the baptism of Jesus. You see all three at once. They're not modes and appearing at different times. The Son of God is being baptized. The Spirit comes in the form of the dove, and the Father says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Modalism does not make sense according to the Scriptures, and it is a classic non-Christian heresy. Anyone who does not affirm the Trinity has been considered throughout the history of the church a heretic. And it was very interesting at that town hall. A young man came forward and says, I do not believe in the Trinity. Am I a heretic? And I was really pleased that Jack Graham, he was gentle with this man, but they got around to this to say, look, mm -hmm. if you are a Christian, you must believe the Father is God, 
The Son is God, and the Spirit is God. Three persons, one God. You must believe the Trinity if you are a New Testament Christian. Jack Graham gave the right answer. But let me say this. T.D. Jakes is a member of the Oneness Pentecostal movement. Not just a member, he is a bishop in the higher ground, always abounding in assemblies. It's a black Oneness Pentecostal denomination. And here are a couple of their statements of faith. Quote, we believe there are three manifestations of one God. Not three persons, three manifestations. Sounds like modalism. We believe in one God who is eternal in his existence, triune in his manifestation, Hmm. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is not the three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We got Phillips, Craig, and Dean, the music group. They're part of this oneness Pentecostal movement. If he's a bishop in that movement, if he believes that doctrinal statement, he is not a Trinitarian Christian and not an Orthodox Christian. I'm not talking about Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, and so forth, Pentecostal. He would not be accepted by the primitive church as an Orthodox believer. And so let me say, Joel Osteen doing great works, I'm sure. Um, Nice guy, not mean. T.D. Jakes, nice guy, not mean, but these men, according to the New Testament, would be false prophets indeed. Jesus Christ, the good news. You say, I think this is negative. That's good news. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Perishing is the option, Joel Osteen. That's part of the good news story. People without Jesus perish. They must have Jesus. This is Jerry Johnson Live with Pennedexter. We'll be back next week. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m., for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.